Welcome to the Apple of Truth, our weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while celebrating the great parts, pointing out the bad parts, and answering questions you never even knew you had. I'm Lena. And I'm Vero. And we can't wait to share our love and hate for your favorite characters. Today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 13, A Little Harmless Stalking. And it is that time again, time to welcome a new patron to our midst. Gas! <laughs> welcome Aster, our newest believer. Thank you welcome. so much for your support and to all the rest of you don't forget you too can be of help to us and you too can <laughs> join just go over to patreon.com slash daot podcast to check out our different tiers the lowest one starts at one euro a month that's like nothing like it helps us and it's like nothing for you so if you decide to do that <laughs> thank you very much and we might be reading your name next time and we will read whatever your name is promise exactly and if you want us to read that a specific random name you just need to make that your name on patreon or just shoot us a message and or if that you want, if you want anything else just join the patreon exclusive discord and talk to us there and you will find us very amenable to many things not all but many wait are we still talking about yes. us doing things okay okay of, of course. anyway <laughs> what about the episode <laughs> let's talk about what this episode is about because wow Lydna stalks her daughter and saves her from a murder charge Ames realizes he does not want to be God Eve returns and is in love with Mace and in the end Lucifer decides he will become God to prove himself worthy of Chloe. For once, the German summary was different and so much worse because it instantly spoils that Linda confesses a murder. I mean, it, she does confess about nine minutes in anyway, but come on, Germans, get your shit together. Because the English IMDb summary is about Linda throwing herself into a deeply personal mission, which still describes it very, very well, but is not completely spoilery. Like, seriously, the IMDb summary is great because it's Linda throws herself into a deeply personal mission, Mace unmasks a blast from the past, and Menadiel ponders a new job. Ooh, that's actually pretty good. I'm surprised that you didn't just steal it. Because IMDb is sometimes amazing and sometimes really, really bad. Yeah. In this one, you couldn't really express your hatred for certain bits of this episode, I guess we could say. I think I did okay. I mean, yes, you did okay. But like, if you only chose to read the IMDb one, it would be even less noticeable. I think I did okay. Instead of harping about my apparent hatred that I explicitly was gonna keep away from this episode why not tell us about the obsession of the week okay well since this episode is not mainly focused on lucifer i have i didn't struggle per se but i have ended up going with something that he seemed to be searching for in a company of linda and that is approval oh wow i went a very 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 different route because to me it was super obvious what lucy's obsession of the week was because he is so upset by amenadiel telling him that he now has started to overthink things that his mantra and obsession in this episode is just do it okay listen i see where you're coming from i disagree with an absolute disagreement when it comes to the obsession of the week we are now at seven out of 13 episodes 
that's still pretty good. I'm pretty proud of us. One more and I'll be like ready to go. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, we have to be careful. This is a delicate balance. Again, we're doing this for Lucifer. Of course. Let's go into our facts and funs and oh my dear. For our standards, we have part-time director Richard Spade Jr. God, I knew it. How did I not not write? I was going to look it up, but then I was like, no, no, that's not rich. I mean, of course it is, but it's not. So you don't have to look it up. It's in the credits of the beginning of the episode. <sighs> like I read that. So you can't read. Uh, sorry. His last episode was Blue Balls. One more episode to come. Just one. <sighs> okay, you're set. Yes. Good. Perfect. I was, I was waiting for the sad squeal. We have six-time writer Julia Fontana, whose previous episode was Our Mojo, has one more episode. And fifth-time writer Jennifer Graham Imada, whose previous episode was Blue Balls, has one more to come. And yes, her next episode is also the same episode as Richard's next episode. Ooh, So their previous episode was the same and their last episode is going to be the same. Lovely. The title is said by Linda, of course, which puts Lucifer at a much worse count than us of six out of 13. Wait, what do you mean much worse count? By one? Yeah, that's much worse. Less than half. We have more than half. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. If you put it that way, (laughs) there's really nothing else to, to add. That is statistics, numbers, magic. Wow. Sparkly, sparkly, sparkly. Oh, yeah, always. The regular IMDb facts and funds are curious. Let's see where they end up. Lucifer says that he's a Louboutin man. This has been shown many times by the soles of his shoes because they are distinctive red that indicates Louboutin for both male and female shoes. Careful viewing of the season will show that the only present-day character to believe Lucifer's ring, or Lilith's ring, can and will bestow powers, a transferable soul, immortality, invincibility, or any protective qualities, to the wearer is Mace. She assumes so based on desperation and hope with no confirmation whatsoever. There's only evidence to its seeming lack of power, as Lucifer experienced multiple injuries, near deaths, and two literal deaths while wearing it. But he's a divine being. Still, there's nothing to base it on. Fair enough, yeah. This is the first time Lucifer does not take it personally when someone blames him for something he didn't do, which is true. I mean, he does look very, very hurt when Linda has her rage monologue against him. He looks terribly hurt, but he does not react in his usual... Yeah, so it's surprising and it's a first time and he really is growing. And then we have a perfect insufferable know-it-all moment in IMDb and I confess, I was tempted to use this for my devils in the details just because I am a horrible person like that. Adriana says, it was supposed to be a simple robbery as the tenant was out of town. It should be burglary rather than robbery. I have included a link for the definition what the difference between theft, robbery, and burglary is. It is very long. You're welcome. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you know, like, English language has, like, random different words for random different things, and it's not always the same thing in all regions? 
In this case, it's very clear because these are law terms. Okay, American law terms. You will be charged with burglary or you will be charged with attempting robbery. So, of course, Adriana is a lay person, so it's perfectly fine if she uses the wrong word. It's still absolute fucking fun to complain about this. And if there had not been the impossible bottle... I probably would have used this just because I love shit. Why not? And this concludes the facts and funs. I'm curious how long they turn out to be. Too long. No, never too long. (laughs) Always long enough. Just right. Because the rest is in the bonus. (laughs) (laughs) Just about right. But let's go to previously on Lucifer. Mace fell in love with Eve, but Eve left to find herself. Linda had a kid that she put up for adoption when she was young. Ella was dating a serial killer and is still pretty shaken about it. Lucy played a massive prank on Dan, which helped him to deal with divine reality. Chloe and Lucy have been through some troubles lately, and Lucy has doubts. And God shared that he is retiring. Yep. Pretty much everything in there. We are on the road in Linda's car and she is talking to Mace on the phone. And the entire conversation is kind of meaningful for Mace, but Linda is very, very distracted, sadly. Which this has become a theme for this season, especially, but has always been a thing in the past, that more often than not, one or more characters are so distracted that they will miss really, really important moments in the journey of their friends. And so I'm kind of curious if that is a point they are trying to make. Like, is it deliberate? Is it just more practical? Or, you know? I think that she's not missing it per se. I think that she is just not paying her full attention to it. I think that she still hears it. She is being sus, for sure. She's not making the space for it. Like, this is mind-blowing, world-changing. This is the thing that May has always wanted more than anything. So it kind of feels harsh for me, like, putting myself in May's position. When I tell my best friend about achieving the thing I've always wanted the most and she's too preoccupied with something else and doesn't even tell me that she's not that she doesn't have the time I I would be very hurt I think that's a type of a conversation they should have definitely had in person I'm not saying it's Maze's fault for bringing this on up on the phone for sure not 100% not Linda should definitely pay more attention to her but it's a type of a conversation that would always be better to get through in person yeah then just say I can't talk right now can we meet tomorrow something like that like why not do that why not Uh, indeed I don't know especially Linda someone who supposedly is much more self-aware and competent in communication and everything maybe it's because she if she says I can't talk right now we'll talk tomorrow Mace would ask why she can't talk and she can't lie to her because Mace would have figured her out and stop her so but in the end she literally does say I can't talk right now because she has to follow into the, the house so obviously she doesn't have an issue doing that so this whole thing is becoming a thing with especially Linda not having the space to listen to her patients and her friends and I'm not here for it they're doing a disservice to my Linda and in my heart she's way more competent and and aware of the people around her. So I don't like it. She is massively preoccupied. And one of the reasons for that, or one of 
the weirdest thing for me is the fact that Linda has a gun. She does explain it later on why she has it. And it makes so, so much I sense. I understand absolutely her explanation is fucking perfect but this moment linda just didn't strike me as a person who would actually drive around and then grab a gun outside of her glove department and run into a random house that she doesn't know so i was just very confused as of what the fuck is happening also mace is worried for her so already it's like huge red flag it must be really really bad and then she takes a fucking gun out of her glove department so it's even worse than fucking fucking bad so i'm completely with you that was just like holy shit what in the world is going on that our dear sweet linda has a fucking gun in her car and it didn't really help watching this so far apart from 5a because i have completely forgotten that adriana exists in that year in between so to me it just i it didn't even cross my mind that it could be something like this because to me it was just a forgotten side plot at that stage watching this connect Connected to 5A now, it works much better for me. But it's still, it feels a little bit like out of a left, left field, if you know what I mean. Yeah, because it didn't even come up in a side sentence. And I feel like if they wanted to go this route as they did with this episode, it should have been mentioned at some part. At least in a throwaway line or something. There should have been some kind of reference. In all fairness, though, we didn't really have much of Linda around in the last couple of episodes since 5B started, essentially. So it would have been probably quite difficult to try to engineer that in. It could just have been half a sentence if they knew that they were going to do a proper Adriana-Linda reunion story. Because this is an entire episode for this. Mm. Another thing in this scene that I really want to talk about is demons also self-actualize. Seems like it. And if they do, the question is, is Maze's face part of her self-actualization and could she change it? You mean the half face? Yes. Hmm. Because Lucifer's demon face obviously is part of his self-actualization, just like the state of his wings. If Maze can self-actualize a soul, I would claim that her face, her demon face, looks the way it does because she thinks it should look this way. And if she ever changed her self-image, her demon face would change. Hmm. This sounds reasonable, yeah. So I kind of want to put this on the question list because I feel like this is a question that neither Leslie Ann nor the writers might have been asked before. Yeah, that sounds great, actually. That would be very interesting, I think. Even just putting them on the spot and just having them think about it. Yeah. So that was what crossed my mind. Like, that was the very first thing when I saw this. Like, yeah, the whole self-actualization shit. Like, wait a moment. (laughs) I'm glad you said that. Because now I'm gonna... As we are gonna move on to the next scene and talk about another storyline that is coming back after a little bit of sidetracking, I did not really care about the conversation. Because we go to the penthouse and we see Lucifer distracting himself, building (laughs) ships inside (laughs) bottles and... and playing French horn and whatever. Emmanuel comes in and starts bringing up all of these things about father retiring and we need to talk about this and stuff like that. And The world you know, can't like, be without a god. And I go, why? We don't really know how that world works. But regardless of that, Lucifer's like, well, if we need a god, there is a clearly a candidate that's perfect for the job and that's you. Obvious and sensible choice. Yeah, exactly. And I absolutely agree with Lucifer. So I didn't really Same. have any 
interest in that conversation anymore. Oh. So instead of that... I did have interest in this conversation. Do you know why? I Okay. Because in the very beginning, Emmanuel starts the conversation and he refers to the horrible prank that Lucifer played on Dan. And Lucifer says it took weeks to plan. And so here I stand and I say I was right. It could not have been a spur of the moment decision the second he saw the file in Chloe's hand. Which is the only reason why I was interested in this scene because I was like, first sentence, I feel validated. (laughs) I still don't think that's like a proper validation, but okay. Whatever you say. (laughs) You're gonna let it slide. (laughs) I'm sorry. I was just like, when Lucifer goes, it took weeks of air, like, yes. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, uh. I took my joy in this episode where I could find it. That's I'm not arguing you. So I decided to pay attention to Lucifer making a drink. You know what? I am shocked that I was convinced that all actors know how to tend a bar and and do things like that because we all have to do it (laughs) because we're all, you know, we don't have enough work, paid work anyway. And he was so close to getting it just right. And yet, so far. What did he do wrong? I didn't notice anything he did really bad. Well, he's there, right? And he puts his ingredients all in to his shaker and then for a lemon zest he takes a lemon touches the rim of the shaker with the lemon and then puts it away and that's like oh yeah that's the lemon he just scrapes the, the rim like he just scrapes the lemon over the rim like oh now now I have the skin of the lemon in there if you do that you don't do that with the shaker you do that with the glass because you need the oils on the glass and not on the shaker because otherwise that is what's true. the point that is true and then he shakes it and I'm like fine there is way too much liquid in this when you're pouring if you can pour two drinks and still have stuff in it that's way too much liquid (laughs) but you know whatever and then he takes the strainer and he pours it like sideways and it just looks so awkward because that's just not how you like hold it properly so you know this is me hyper focusing on lucifer doing that and then he pours this like a very cloudy liquid which you know that's fine because it's a whiskey sour it's a honey lemon whiskey sour still a whiskey sour i could still immediately identify that would be that but then when he hands it to emanadiel the cut it's more defined so it's, it looks like it's been sitting for a little yeah, bit yeah it has so a, it has a head separation yeah. and then it we cut back to the original uh shot and and it's again cloudy and like very milky even so it was just very it was a bad choice of for a drink because it didn't go well with growing old in the scene also he did not enjoy this drink did you notice like the face he makes when he drinks it and I don't understand how he's not happy because honey lemon whiskey sour is fucking tasty yes maybe he made a mistake when he did it maybe it was just not as good as he hoped it would be maybe he used the wrong recipe maybe that's why it's so awkward and why it tastes so bad because he was so distracted yes maybe that's why maybe he forgot to put the lemon in maybe that's why it tastes so gross because it's honey whiskey not honey lemon whiskey sour (laughs) Are you saying that honey and whiskey are not delicious? They are completely delicious. Depends. Like for me, it would be without a lemon, a very sad experience. Do you want to ask Tom Ellis if he knows how to bartend? 
Oh, that would be an interesting, interesting question. He just posted a picture of like a teenager him, his first paid gig with James McAvoy, and they do not look like themselves. It's so funny. So when you go through this episode, shoot me a note and I shall put the question for Tom Ellis if he knows how to bartend, because in episode 14, season five... He is very awkward in his preparation of honey lemon whiskey sour. Yeah. We we can put that on the list and see if it makes the cut. Let's do that. (laughs) God. We have so many questions in season five. It is absolutely hilarious. Ours, we are the worst. They're going to hate us so much. Yes, and I can't wait. I can't wait. Yes. To wrap this scene up, Amenadiel does the worst possible thing. He compliments Lucifer on thinking things through. And yes. How dare he? Though I must confess, I did expect Lucifer to act out so much worse than he does in the end. So I was pleasantly surprised, but I so enjoyed Lucifer's indignation. It was just like, how dare dare you it's like oh my god it was completely expected for him to misbehave after that note but i think it was like the best timing ever because immediately after this we cut into lux he goes downstairs with his french horn and we get to see (laughs) that was not a euphemism sure chill Jeez, Lena. I'm 12, sorry. I watched five seasons of Big Mouth. I'm now 12. Oh, God. Yeah, so we get to see Chloe, who is drinking very nervously at the bar. And then she goes on this into her monologue about how she needs an answer and how, you know, even though she thought that she could wait, she realized that it not only affects her, but others around her, including Trixie, which is something that we've seen in the last couple of episodes and we have mentioned before. I love that she's standing up for her. I love that she's, you know, realizing how important it is. And I love the fact that the timing of it is so good that I don't think we would have gotten this outcome if Amenadiel wasn't a complete, I believe in you, Lucy, merely minutes ago for Lucifer anyway. Oh, in that regard, of course, her timing is great because now Lucifer is willing to stop overthinking and just do what makes you happy. But from a narrative point of view, I feel the taming is horribly bad because this should have happened after the music episode and with the Dan episode in between the musical episode and this it feels out of sync because the last few interactions we've seen between Lucifer and Chloe were happy 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 she's waiting but the conversation she had with Trixie it feels disjointed this would have felt more authentic or natural right after the uh, musical episode to me well she had the musical episode but then in the, the episode after that they have the conversation in Trixie's bedroom right yeah, then Danielle Espinosa Naked and Afraid happens, where yeah, Chloe so is simply like two not there. So to me, it felt very, very disjointed. But of course, her timing to get the best reaction out of Lucifer is absolutely on point. And I 1000% agree with you. Yay, Chloe, standing out for yourself. You do not need to wait around for Lucifer 
to get over his issues. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and she needs to do it for herself and she needs to do it for Trixie. And it's just, you know. So to me, it just felt kind of. Gotta do it. Weird timing wise from the narrative point of view, but otherwise, I'm completely with you. Also, I'm an advocate of maybe sometimes just stop overthinking and just be. Oh, for sure. Sometimes, sometimes it, it's fine. But like sometimes, if you just do the consequences of that, can be complicated. Neither is good if you do it always. But of course, Tom Ellis's face conveys all the worrying that is gonna happen within Lucifer throughout this episode about just being. Also, I wanted to give a shout out to a specific something that Chloe said. She mentions the three words and she says words are just words. It does not matter if you are able to say it or not. It's about how you feel. So uh, I am big time there for that because I, as a person who struggles with putting things into words at times, I would appreciate if I had a partner like Chloe is now being to Lucifer saying, don't push it. If you can't say that's okay, because I know you still feel it. If your love language is not language or words, then it can be very, very hard. I don't agree with her, though, that it's okay to not say something at all. Words are just words, but words still have power in a certain way. So while I see where you're coming from, and as there is a thing called love languages, and every person connects on these different types of levels, like for some people it's words, for some people it's touch, for some people it's attention like there's so many different layers on this I'm fully with you. If you are not a person who conveys their love through repetitive verbal confirmation, absolutely understandable and perfectly fine. But I feel at least once you should be able to say the worst. I mean, yes, but that can take time. Yes, and it's okay if it takes time. But I read her saying it's fine if you never are able to say it. And with that, I don't agree. Yeah, if I read it that way, I would definitely be on your side but my perception of the situation was let's just you know give in to this and and be together because I don't need to hear it right now because I see how you behave and therefore your actions tell me how you feel even if your words are not there yet but speaking of now the newly founded couple we go to the crime scene and they are very cute and they are holding hands and I'm Ella and Ella is fucking perfection and now I just we are all perfect so um no I'm not Ella but I feel with Ella and Ella is fucking perfect because she says the couple who cried relationship and that is of course a reference to the boy who cried wolf which is one of my all-time favorite children's stories so I'm absolutely here for it you are familiar with the boy who cried wolf right yeah Okay, yeah, just just making sure. Like, just because I grow up with a story as a child doesn't mean that. So it's also a Czech story then. Very good. Very good. Pretty sure it's a, a, an international story. I have no idea. Like, seriously, I don't even know where it comes from. It's. I think it's one of those, um, like, Oldman's tales, you know? Yeah, but like, those still have origins. So, huh, why did I not make this my devils in the details? Well, there you go. Damn. Why didn't you? That's a anyway, good question. As we go to the crime scene, there is a song that oh, sorry. <laughs> I haven't found. Uh, there is a few of the songs in this episode that I was unable to find. And they haven't been found by anybody else either, as far as I could tell. According to a tune find, is called This Is How We Roll. And it's by Chris Rock. 
Dryden, but such a song or such a artist does not exist according to my research. So curious. Well, it happens t- from time to time. Take from it what you want. If you find this song and if you name this song, let me know. I will update our playlist. Awesome. But yeah, you said you are Ella and I said Ella is us. Yes, because she turns around even though they are the couple who cried relationship. She's still here for it and she still ships them so hard and it's very, very cute. But then Dan shows up. Why doesn't he just tell them? Why the dramatic reveal? Why the build up? Mm, I don't know. I actually don't know. I mean, Dan is such a drama queen. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, and maybe maybe it was his little vengeance for last week. And when Lucifer later on tells him, like, you could have warned us, he looks taken aback, like, oh, I tried. No, you didn't. He did. He said, brace yourself. No, that's not a warning. That's like duck. It's like, okay, do I? Do you want me to duck or is there a duck? It's like very non-specific. You have to brace yourself. Like, what the fuck? Just say Linda is the suspect, period. Don't well, dig around. You're making it very uh, straightforward and this is not what we're here for. So uh, I am uh, here stop. for... For once in my life, I'm here for straight. Um, <gasps> sorry. <laughs> God, I love you. Um, Okay, so (laughs) we walk inside and we see Linda sitting there. And she's very much like, oh, I did it. I murdered this guy. And I'm like, well, you did something, but the something is definitely not a murder. So I just want to know at this stage what's, what's going on. But then Lucifer uses his powers and she specifically says, I want to protect my child. And obviously everybody assumes that she's talking about Charlie. But is she? Because at this moment I was like, oh, there is another child. Yeah. Right before Lucifer uses his powers, Linda tries to use her powers of psychoanalysis to distract Chloe. But Lucifer sees right through her and then distracts her with his powers. So I really enjoyed that with the Linda using her power and then Lucifer using his power. <laughs> so. Unfortunately, Linda's powers aren't magic. So I mean, if Lucifer wasn't there, she might have been more successful. Because despite what she tells him later on throughout the episode that therapy indeed was wasted on him and everything, therapy really taught Lucifer quite a few things. And he's using these things. So my boy, good work, good work. We get the title card at 9 minutes 12 seconds. And for a change, we go to a new scene after the title card. Because we are now in the precinct. Yep. And we are bringing Linda in. And who's waiting for them at the precinct? May starts asking questions. Oh, yes. And Linda is so wonderfully bad at lying. Oh, my God. I don't know. I feel like if she performed this way at the crime scene, they would have never even arrested her. Which, to me, indicates that Mace is making her even more uncomfortable with the situation than she already was. And hence, asks the right questions and gets all of these, I murdered him good. And I don't know why, just because it was a violent crime and, and just this bullshit, kind of a weird crime spur of passion of, of the moment. <laughs> Yeah, it just I've, comes out of Linda's mouth. And I'm like, what? 
that's. I fun. think Mace is so much easier able to confuse her and disconcert her because Linda knows that Mace knows that this potentially connects to Adriana, and Linda is terrified that Adriana is gonna be a part of this, and she is trying to keep her out of it. And then Mace, of course, is like catching on. Wait a moment! If you don't tell them, I tell them. And then, of course, she tells them. And I think th- this is the reason why Linda is even worse with the lying when it comes to Mace. Yeah, that's a very good, very good point. I am glad that she ends up actually telling them, though, because I don't like when anybody keeps secrets around these parts. So when she tells them about Adriana and about her secretly keeping an eye on somebody, which is extremely creepy to me, but... A little harmless stalking never hurt anyone. Except, of course, the dead person in the house who's dead and thus hurt. That person isn't dead because Linda was stalking Adriana. Well, we don't know that yet. Well, we can assume because Linda hasn't actually seen Adriana running away or anything like that. Which, by the way, brings me to my next weird point. So Linda walks into the house pretty much right after Adriana does, right? Yes. She finds a shot dead person on the ground. She should have heard a shot. She should have heard a shot. She didn't hear a gunshot. So how could have it been Adriana? Because Linda literally followed her inside. And maybe there was a silencer. But not according to the ballistics, I don't think. Does Linda know that? I kind of doubt that they share their findings. I mean, I don't think Linda knows that, but they know that. And if, you know, there's not the information about hearing a gunshot, it's just... There's nothing I can say to sort this out because it absolutely makes no sense. In this moment, it is already very clear that Adriana can't have been the person to shoot the dude because then we, the audience, or at least Linda, should have heard a gunshot. You are absolutely right. But speaking of Adriana, who now shows up, and I know I've said this before when we met her for the first time, the casting of Adriana as Linda's daughter is so good. I know. I made that point as well. I really appreciate this because they use this at the end of the episode when Adriana goes, when you're adopted, everyone who looks even remotely like yourself and fits the age bracket. And that would not have worked if they didn't look so closely related. So grand job from the casting department, I have to say. Mm-hmm. I agree. I had that note a little bit later in the episode. Also, like mother, like daughter. Adriana also is a sucky liar. <laughs> Well, unless she actually did it and Linda is swimming in denial and she actually didn't hear the gunshot because she was so preoccupied by the whole situation. So, you know. But before we can go on, we cut into the observation room behind the two-way mirror and Linda is standing there with Lucy and Linda's of course like, oh, she's lying. And Lucy, oh, he has the worst timing. And this really hurt me. And now it hurts me even more because of how the episode ends when he like grows through it and then she lashes out at him and everything because here he is everything that she accuses him of in the end here he is all that he is completely self-absorbed he does not give her the space that she is absolutely entitled to in this moment and he is using his worst timing to focus on himself and his issues and so this was really really painful because i was like dude how no Really? No. 
see, this is why my obsession was approval or seeking approval, because regardless of how fucked up Linda seems to be right now, his main focus is to get his therapist or Linda to say, oh, it's okay that what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, whatever. You do this and I agree with this. And now let's focus on something else. He is seeking that. Oh, yeah, he's absolutely looking for approval from Linda for the situation that he's not entirely comfortable with. But the just do it is so omnipresent throughout the entire episode that this is why I went with it. And of course, to close this out, Linda is an absolute denial, which is hilarious because usually she is the one teaching people like Trixie about denial. <laughs> and now she is knee deep in the river herself, maybe even hip deep or neck deep. Not yet. Soon. Soon she's going to be neck deep. When she starts reaching to construct all of that, then then she is definitely neck deep. I think currently it's hip deep. So she does mention a big scary guy. Yes. First name, scary. Last name, guy. Yes. But luckily, because she's a stalker, she has memorized his plates. So we have now a lead to bring Mace into the mix and uh, have Mace catch a bounty. And this is exactly what's going to happen in the next scene. Or is it? We get a great song of Mace driving up checking the whole situation with, you know, your license plate and everything. Seriously, she's so hot in this scene. God. The song is called Take It Outside and it is by Biker Bar. Of course it is. Honestly, I am so on board with Linda because Clive does seem like a big scary guy. And his house seemed to be way too normal for a big scary guy. But it's... I was very, very distracted in this entire scene because holy shit, Mace is so incredibly hot in this scene. Honestly, they both are. I mean, Leslie Ann is always incredibly attractive. Don't get me wrong. But the hair, the outfit, the makeup, the movement, the facial expression. Yeah. 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 And this is the first time when I was actually explicitly in my notes. The fight is great, but the camera on this is amazing. So direction, everything. Thank you, Richard. (laughs) You are indeed one of my favorites. But I mean, the way she flies through the glass door, it's so beautiful to look at. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then the whole painting behind her on the wall, the way it's framed. So we obviously know that the painting's going to be a part of it. And it's just, it's so well done. So speaking of the painting, I'm pretty sure this is not an actual Hollingshead. Because I found a John Hollingshead born 1827 and a Josh Hollingshead, who's a current artist. And neither person's art looks remotely like anything like this fucking painting. And I did a reverse image search. I did a Reddit deep dive. I did everything. No. This is pretty sure not a Hollingshead. Yep, seems about right. Yeah, I see that there is a there is a um, already a Reddit thing. Yes, there are no answers in there. Well, if I had Reddit, then I could probably read it and tell you. No, there is the no, same uh, thing that you already checked. Yes, and the only answer is please spoiler tag, and it's like seriously. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) was not helpful. But I love shit like that. So I had to include it. Speaking of Eve, I am kind of confused why she chose to be in a ninja-esque outfit and refer to her moves as ninja moves. So... Because it's hot. Is it though? Yeah, well, the way she wears it. Isn't kind of the point of a ninja that you don't see them because they're so fast and everything? Yeah. So, yeah, kind of disappointing. Like, ninja, once you see them, 
you should already be dead. So I, for some reason, found the beanbag absolutely hilarious that she shoots Mace with a beanbag. I mean, knowing the fact that this is Eve shooting Mace knowingly, it is kind of hilarious, yes. But also... Also, I think that is an actual thing. Like, for non-lethal ammunition, you use beanbag. But, as hilarious as this scene was... There are indeed buts. Uh, yes, yes. But, as hilarious as this scene is, when they have their conversation, Leslie and once again proves how great she is with micro-expressions. Because she has an, a cornucopia of emotions go through her face with hope and scared and vulnerable and closing off and like so much and she does it so fucking well and I'm already like becoming protective in this because initially when I first watched this season I was not an Eve fan I have liked Eve this watch so much more but the first time I watched this episode I was extremely protective of Mace (laughs) And so this feeling is still present for me. So I was very much, girl, you, you better not play around. You better not play with my girl here. Yeah. It does immediately, and especially if you know that she's just pretending to be not great at this, it, you can instantly point out a certain nuances that she kind of is trying to hide some of her skills, but she brings a set of skills that even Mace doesn't have, and that is the knowledge about art, which brings us then and gives us a new impulse into the investigation. So I think it's great and I love them. Also, this time around, I have a very different appreciation for Eve and her childlike enthusiasm. Because when they leave the house, she is just like, yay! running after Maze and I'm just like it's so adorable it's so cute yeah and then yeah I, I, I kind of want to cry and feel bad and horrible so yeah <laughs> <laughs> but with the new lead it means that we can move over to the precinct to follow that lead <laughs> with a song called Rebels because we just watched two rebels get back together oh. on a mission but, and it is performed by 310 and if you want to know more about this band, I 100% recommend either look them up and do the research yourselves or join our Patreon and listen to the bonus episode. Like Esther did. Like Esther did, yeah. I only have one single note for this scene and that is Sassy Chloe seems to be fed up with this case. And I'm so on board with Chloe's frustration because it's like everybody in the world is telling her that Adriana didn't do it. I'm like, either the person comes in and says, I did it, she didn't do it, or I'm trying to protect... No, she's just done with this, and I'm, I get it. But also, she knows that Adriana is probably not the murderer, but what she doesn't have is a proof. And this boyfriend thing, person, is not bringing her any. He's just bringing more doubts. He's bringing a bit. He's bringing a lead, but he doesn't really bring a proof. Which makes sense because later on it all makes sense. Yes. However, at this moment, I was like, well, considering how innocent everybody says Adriana is, she is involved with a lot of sketchy people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She can't be that pure and innocent if she is mixed up in so much shady shit. But that being said... I kind of feel like she got that from Linda because Linda is the same. She's very much 
you know, a good person and somewhat innocent while also having certain qualities that bringing the not so great and slightly sketchy side. Since we go into Lux next, I assume we have a song. Yes, we indeed do. It's called Don't It Feel Good by Hollingsworth Drive, which also sounds like an address, if you ask me. Same as 310. Well, also Hollingsworth, very close to Hollingshead. This is what I was thinking when I was writing down. Curious, curious, curious. Also, the house with the Hollingshead was in Fanis again. So we seem to be referring to that area quite a bit. But we are in Lux. And Amenadiel is talking to three people who are very obviously a rabbi, a priest and an imam. And they walk into a bar. And it's just, it's so, so hilarious to me that Amenadiel is doing research with three representatives of the three big Abrahamic religions. But it is kind of insensitive from Amenadiel to go, drinks are on me because the imam doesn't drink. Oh, yeah. And he should know that. So... I'm kind of like, dude, really? No. So that was a bit awkward to me, but oh, well, I mean, I assume Lux also has non-alcoholic beverages, right? Sure it does. So They are definitely not spiked by maize with anything alcoholic. I mean, Maze is not here right now, so everything is fine. And maybe he got, just gets like a uh, tap water or something that's definitely not spiked. But this scene made me very, very happy because this is something that I have been asking for quite a while now. And that is that the friendship between Amenadiel and Dan be put back where it belongs, which is in active duty. And this is exactly what is happening. This is now Dan listening, Dan being supportive, Dan being the goodest bean that he fucking is while being fucking supportive, inadvertently making sure Amenadiel realizes this might not actually be what he really wants to do. So I absolutely enjoyed every single bit in this scene because I literally have been asking for this. So I was like, awesome. (laughs) There is a lot of nodding happening on my side of the microphone. So I mean, sky's the limit, except not. Yes, just yes. (laughs) It's just a great scene and there friendship is a lot it's so good i'm so happy also it's so good to see dan back on his metaphorical feet like the prank from last episode really did help him he seems so much more self-assured and stable within himself i'm so happy for dan this makes me incredibly glad for him Mm -hmm. yep i agree but with this beautiful feelings aside (laughs) enough with the beauty (laughs) we're gonna have another song for another scene Oh yeah, it's by What White and it's called March. With that, we enter the scene in front of the warehouse with arts or in front of the art gallery or whatever you want to call that. And my first question was, they mention that this is the source of the Hollingshead painting that Mace found at the house. And I was like, well, did they not say that Eve was there? Do they not know that Eve is back? It was just a weird choice of words for me. I don't think Mace told them. I legit don't think they know. Although then later in the episode, everybody's behaving like it's completely normal that Eve is around. So it's just... Because it was more shocking that she got shot than that she is back. Yep, I can live with that argumentation. You're welcome. 
And Linda is getting extremely annoying in this scene. But she also knows exactly what buttons to press. So Well, of course she does. However, it's still annoying. Oh yeah, absolutely. So Chloe heads inside and we only have Lucifer and Linda left in the car. Lucifer seems to be again looking for a validation of the relationship, even though Linda is overly focused on uh, the situation outside. But at least she tells him this this time. She tells him like, dude, I don't have the space for this. Go away. <laughs> yes. Well, I felt a little bit this. He kind of could have brought it up to try to distract her. So maybe it wasn't just a selfish reason for him to actually bring it up. Although it is Lucifer. So you, you are being very, very gracious with him here. I know. But I really appreciated that Linda fucking finally verbalizes, dude, I don't have the space. Because that is totally fine. If you don't have the space for someone else's issues because you are fucking drowning in issues yourself, that is perfectly valid. But please let the other person know. Yes. I mean, in absolutely. this exact situation, I kind of would expect Lucifer to know and be aware, but it's still Lucifer, like you said. So I'm very, very happy that Linda spells it fucking out for him. Dude, no. <laughs> no spoons. And then they kind of get into talking and Linda starts using her powers for not that good or evil yes let's let's say let's say evil so she sort of manipulates lucifer into going inside at least that's what it seems at the moment and so fucking good i was just like you know what the two of them deserve each other it's so funny like they actually work really well together on this and it's great i absolutely love this because i had forgotten that Lucifer informs Chloe when they go in. So I was like, damn, she played him really well and now Lucifer is gonna act on impulse and Chloe's gonna be angry with him. And then the whole gallery scene happens, we're gonna talk about it in a second. But then we go back outside and then it's like the reveal that he played it smooth. And I had completely forgotten that. And so I ah, oh, I had I had so many emotions and opinions and rah, 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 to just be like, haha, they got me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, no, same. Although, because it just knowing this information, retrospectively, it the scene in the gallery makes so much more sense to me as yes! well. Because Chloe is just striking out so badly with Jamie. She's just like really bad at her job. And we don't we're not used to that. So knowing that Chloe knows that Lucifer is coming in with Linda within seconds, it makes sense because she is literally preparing Jamie to be annoyed and wanting to make a sale and being open and willing to talk to somebody else than the cop that's in the background, you know? It's so fucking perfect. I was so happy with this. And it just proves that Lucifer and Chloe are in complete sync. Again. Yes. Yes, and so, it's so yay. it's so good to see them back in sync. And this is like I don't have much to say about the gallery. I enjoyed the oh, that's a bold and oddly specific interpretation that just made me laugh out loud. But what I definitely wanna add in the gallery scene, Linda is reaching so far for potential possibilities and ideas and theories. I feel like Linda should write murder mysteries. <laughs> Probably. Hey, hey, yes. I mean, she probably would be a good writer. So just let's put a pin in this because she is so fucking creative and also she is neck deep in denial right now. <laughs> yes, finally we got to the neck deep. Yes. And I actually have a question because there was an email from one of the listeners 
recently pointing out a possible lie of Lucifer. And because of that email, I'm a little bit more focused on Lucifer now because we have missed that bit. We will talk about it probably in the summoning episode. In the summoning episode, yeah. But the question is, Lucifer says we like to collect the impressionist starting with M. How is that not a lie? Is that his weird kind of a thing that he does? Or like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, is he lying? Yeah. Um, the thing is, he's not talking about himself. He's talking about them as a couple. And their couple persona does that, you know? Hmm, I don't like that. I know. And it's also not perfect. But had he said, I collect impressionists that start with M, then no doubt, straight up lie. Uh, 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 uh. Because he refers to them, we do this together, there is no together, so it's basically, it's a lie built on sand and thus it doesn't exist. That would yeah. be a possibility. Okay, so if, if what he talks about does not exist, it is not technically a lie. So that would be a p- potential explanation. But yeah, it's a very thin one and I'm with you. Yeah. Well, so I just wanted to point that out because I know that we do have listeners who pay attention to this. We do too, sometimes. Oh yeah, we we do. Sometimes we miss the very obvious things. Also, I'm absolutely enjoying that he buys the couple picture. And so obviously... Yet another piece of art. I'm going to pay attention if we see it in Chloe's home. Yeah, because the painting of the fucking mermaid thingy that he bought, we have seen um, repeatedly actually in his penthouse. So I'm very curious if Chloe is going to hang it up. So eyes open. It's the lovely couple for the lovely couple. And Lucifer Except and it's Chloe. not the same couple that is buying it. But Lucifer and Chloe are so cute together. Like I know, I fought tooth and nails to not be a Decca star shipper, as all of our listeners know. I have been conformed. I have been converted. It's perfectly fine. And so we go outside and we have this revelation that this was all smooth playing by Lucifer because he informed Chloe instead of going behind her bag. We get another very typical shot for Rich, which is the very wide shot of Lucifer carrying the painting under his arm. The car is kind of standing in the in like a golden ratio, slightly to the right. Chloe is next to it and we see them just kind of all from their profile walking in and it's just so beautiful again pointing it out because it's a great shot and it's it's very typical for Richard Spade Jr. But this is what I'm used from him and this is why I was so confused by the focus on the close headshots in the previous scene. So we are outside and they are so good together and he gives her the painting and they kiss and they finish each other's sandwiches and it's just sandwiches it's a Frozen reference, sorry. I love that. I've never seen Frozen. Okay, um, you are so <laughs> weird sometimes. And there are just so cute together and it hurts my brain and heart. It's slightly sickly sweet, but also it's very, very, yes. very nice. And I do hope that they get to enjoy this happiness that they have in this episode for a bit longer and that the end of this episode mm-hmm. doesn't completely fuck it up. Yeah, indubitably. So the only one thing that I have from this as a conclusion is I understand Linda's frustration with the situation. I get it. But I really, really hope that she's not going to do anything stupid walking out of here right now. It was incredibly obvious to me that Linda was going to fuck shit up at some point because she has zero boundaries and capability to hold back. But the real mystery is when. Which is the point when she's going to fuck it up? True. 
Ooh, the plot thickens. We come to, funnily enough, my favorite scene of the episode that also has the grossest moment that I find the most disgusting in it because there are very few things I find as utterly disgusting as baby puke. Ah. Especially since it is in Ella's hair. Yes, it's in her hair and it's on her jacket, at least in the first half of the scene. Yes. So that's just, yeah, it's, it's fucking disgusting. We obviously at Linda's place and Ella was babysitting Charlie, which, hey, at least someone is babysitting Charlie. I'm very happy about that because Linda is preoccupied and not even thinking of her son and Amenadiel was busy hanging out in a bar. Sure. Parents of the year. Apart from that, this scene is now the second time this episode is giving me something that I have asked for repeatedly. And it's giving me two things at the same time that I've asked for repeatedly. And one is Amenadiel talking to Ella about faith. And the other is someone caring, asking and listening properly to Ella. And so this scene made me incredibly happy on so many levels. So I just want to say a big fucking thank you to our two amazing writers. I'm very glad that we get both of them back for at least one more episode. Yes. It's, you know, you get to pick up on uh, Ella's insecurity of herself pretty much immediately. We've known of it, so it's not surprising. But it takes Emmanuel a beat to kind of catch up. To figure out where it snacks. Like, he's like, why? Wait, wait, wait. wait." But he keeps on it. And that is the good thing. So it makes sense for him to to take a second to kind of do a little double take on the situation. And realize... (laughs) He's still a dumb dumb in many regards. Uh, realize that she is actually going through a struggle, which, you know, first step is knowing that's hap- that it's happening. And then he offers an advice. And it's such good advice. It is fucking good advice because he says, take some of the faith you have in him and put it in yourself. And that, and that is, is so oh. true. Oh, With everything, everybody should do that. If you believe in somebody, if you believe in something and you are diminishing yourself repeatedly, that's not good. You are worth some of that. Imagine people, other people looking at you and the way they see you. What if they respect you the way you respect other people? You need to have some of that for yourself. Otherwise, it's very unhealthy. Yep. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just kind of... No, it's all good. It's all good. The thing is, this in some part mirrors what is happening at the very end in the conversation between Linda and Lucifer. Because we have different types of relationships throughout this show where one person feels that the other person is so much better than they are and deserving of so much more and they themselves are not worthy. So we have that with Lucifer and Chloe, obviously, but we also have that with Ella and her relationship to God because, like, I have so much darkness in me and the big guy doesn't care, but he should not, like, he should not be there for me. Like, I don't deserve him. But also the same with Linda and Adriana. And so we we have this with very different um, types of relationships, but it's always the, the other person deserves so much more and is so great and everything and I don't deserve their attention or their love or their time or even their awareness that I exist or whatever. Let's go back to bounty hunting. Oh yeah, bounty hunting. We get a great song 
uh, when we start out the scene, it's called Devils on the Loose by Luke <laughs> Wild and Swamp. And indeed he is. Oh my God, the camera again in this scene at the beginning. We have the bloody sky and we have the silhouettes of Mace and Eve on the front and they're beautiful and amazing. And it's just so pretty. Question, where did Mace get the second helmet? Did she just steal it of a random person off the street? Probably, yeah. Or maybe just Eve came with a helmet. It's like, you know, a Barbie set comes with accessories. So Eve came with a helmet. I'm going to go with my head and Mace just took it off a random dude from the street because she was like, I need one. So yeah, that's got to be my headcanon from now on. Also, this was the moment I realized I don't have a duo photo up with these two for Lux and I need one. <laughs> oh God, you know, this podcast makes me want to spend so much more money on Lux. It's ridiculous. As you just described, it is visually absolutely beautiful. And to add to the visual beauty, we get more conversation between Eve and Mace. And it is absolutely absolutely heartbreaking beautifully at the same time because Mace basically calls Eve on her bullshit that she is pretending yaddy 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 and then Mace explains with the whole that Eve broke her heart and Eve goes extremely happily I did and I'm just like I know exactly what she means like she is so happy that Mace cared that much about her that she was able to break her heart but Mace's face to the I did is so painful so Oh, everything on top of that roof was just beautiful and painful and everything. It was oh. amazing. I could see that Eve is, again, putting on something for Mace. And I just wanted for them to talk. And I'm really glad that Mace was aware enough of the situation to actually call Eve out on it. And made Eve continue the conversation that I had earlier. So... Uh, Mace has grown quite a bit, not just due to the friendship with Linda, but also due to the work she put in herself. And so her being willing to have a fucking conversation, compare it to all the way back in season one. Mace would not have a conversation to save her fucking life. Never, ever, ever. <laughs> Because I remember being very annoyed with many, many things that they did with Mace's character when on my first watch through of the series. Because in so many moments, it felt that she didn't evolve. But now when you look at the big picture in quotation marks from episode one to season five, episode 13, Mace has grown so incredibly much. And it was, of course, like tiny, tiny steps from episode to episode. And sometimes like two steps front and three steps back. But all in all, holy shit, my lady. Yeah. We get to see Eve talking about why and how she looked up Mace and what planned the reuniting. And yes, I guess it's kind of romantic that she kind of hoped that they're going to reunite and it's, everything's going to be beautiful. But it's also a little naive to expect Mace. It's very Eve, Mace though. out of everybody. Yeah, it is very Eve. But like, it, you know, expecting Mace to react in a way that she's going to be overwhelmed with joy just for seeing her, you know. It's just really, really honey. Yeah, it's very Eve, so I get it. And also, this ploy being her answer to, well, you didn't jump into my arms, so I had to think of something. Also very Eve. Absolutely. But now, it is time to kick ass and chew bubblegum. And they're all out of gum. <laughs> oh, another reference you didn't understand. Oh my god. Okay. Well, it's that this time. It's, it's okay. I am surprised 
how hard a time Mace is having beating up Clive. He's just human, right? The only explanation I have is that she is shaken by Eve's confession and distracted by Eve's presence. I will take that because I was very, very confused as to why she is taking quite a beating by Clive. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, well, she actually takes the beating to a song called Face in the Dark by City Wolf featuring <laughs> Panther. But nice, nice, nice. Again, the choreography is pretty amazing. And Jesus, their fight scene are just so good. Then we have a very messy fight between Mace trying to beat up Clive while also Eve's trying to be helpful. But I'm not really sure how helpful she is, even though she really tries. It's just this really weird, messy situation, which ends with a gunshot and Mace taking Clive down. But and initially we think that Mace is the one getting shot because she is so close to him. In that stage, we get another song starting to play, which is way more depressing. And it's called Crown by Mirkur. And it's the moment when we realize that, you know, Mace checks herself and she's fine. She looks over to Eve and she's like, you know, everything's great. We've got it down. Yay. And then she realizes that Eve has been shot. Yeah, and my notes just go no 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 for like one whole line. I remember being genuinely worried the first time I saw this. You know, it wouldn't be completely against the rules of television for them to actually kill off Eve at a moment where she confesses, yeah, kill the gays, right? Yeah. Isn't that the trope? Make your love confession, get fridged, instant, get sent to super hell. Oh, wherever did we see that? Uh I'm still hey, let's not talk about that. Uh, I'm, I'm still not over it. I'm sorry. But like I said, I was really, really worried about it the first time I saw this. Of course, this time I had the foreknowledge that she survives this. So I had more space to appreciate the way they shot this or they not shot this, but they make this in the end. Because basically we have Eve's eyes opening and closing and this is what she sees and what she doesn't see. So it's very much from her perspective and everything. And it gives you this purposeful sense of dread, which is very well done. And now that I knew that she's going to be all right, I could very much enjoy it. Absolutely. We get to see the primal reaction of Mace as well, where she sees her love is you know, hurt, and she just goes completely demon on this Clive arse dude. Scary guy. Big scary guy. Not so big and not so scary anymore, and maybe... No, 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 no. And then she picks Eve up and carries her away in her arms, and it's just so romantic. She bridal carries her away. (laughs) (laughs) And they run off to the sunset together. No, they run off into the hospital because Eve is, for all sense and purposes, fucking vanilla more but we will come back to that in a later scene first we have to go to the precinct i don't have that much on this scene i have wondered at the beginning because linda watches lucifer and chloe from behind a closed door and she sees them fighting about something i do wonder what that fight was about i don't think they were fighting i think they were just very intense and for linda it is a fight because this is the mindset she is in this is what she expects to happen Lucifer walks in and they start having a conversation and and he tells her about the newest developments on the case. But then she completely breaks down and she starts yelling at him and accusing him and 
what does Lucifer do? He sits there and takes it, which is... He looks so hurt. He is hurt, but he also knows that she is only only saying these things because she is struggling and she is scared and, you know, it's not personal and he's not taking it personally, which is the first time ever he's not taking something personally. Also, usually the only person who gets to lash out at him is, is Chloe. Like, no one else gets to do that. And so it kind of elevates Linda in like in the people for him. But he looks so incredibly hurt. And it's so sad. Because everything she says is true in the beginning. In the beginning, every every single thing she says and she accuses him out is absolutely fucking true. But in this moment, it's not that it's so sad. No, it's beautiful because, again, it shows us the growth of Lucifer as a character. And it shows us that Linda is really in not a right sense of mind. Has this never happened to you? That you, like, lash out at someone and you're like, oh, and you did this and you're doing this. And then I'm actually doing the opposite. Like, fuck this, I'm still angry. And now I don't have any reason to be angry. (laughs) No, doesn't... No? Okay. I, I just, I'm not a very um, showing my emotions in general type of a person, you know. Oh, se- several of my friends are very uh, familiar with me being very... It's actually the opposite. No, I don't know what to do with my energy. Fuck. It's still up to 25 <laughs> out of 5. Basically. So I'm, I'm very much with Linda. Like with the, oh, no. Fuck. Hey, the fact that I haven't really been in a situation like that doesn't mean that I don't completely understand it. You know, it's just like if you have a pent up emotion like that and you if you are that worried, it doesn't just disappear. It needs to be channeled somewhere. And this clearly is a way to do it. Yeah, sometimes it just gets to the complete wrong person and they get the brunt of it, even though they absolutely don't deserve it. And sometimes the person you think deserves it gets it and they end up not deserving it. And sometimes the person who deserves it ends up getting it. And then it's very satisfying. <sighs> Sorry. Um. <laughs> but yes, they are indeed trying to still help and they know that Adriana doesn't, didn't actually do it, even though it looks from all the perspective of the law that she did. So we talk to Adriana, then we realize something very curious that the timeline doesn't add up because there had been different channels of communication on different dates with the, oh, but I tried calling him on Saturday. Oh, but you did text him on Friday. No, I did not. I was at the movies like hmm, who could she have been with the movies the interesting thing about this moment is and it's something that I've only realized now or I kind of did watching the episode but it didn't actually put it into thoughts so at this stage I feel like we need to realize that we have been watching the case from uh, Linda's perspective the outside and you know this is why it tends to be so difficult in episodes like these to pinpoint the Lucifer's obsessions of the week and stuff like that so it's less likely for us to actually be able to do that to be in sync like Lucifer and Chloe exactly yes to be to be in sync oh my god really what I didn't do anything Uh, I hurt you I hurt you and I will hurt you. <laughs> but anyway, the fact that we haven't heard this information, we didn't know about this text up until this moment is quite significant to me because they are working on a completely different premises than we are. Yeah, which because is we are with Linda. Unusual. Yeah, normally we know more than them. Usually, which is, yeah. 
It's a nice Weird, change of and pace. I like it. It's a nice yeah. change of pace. And you're absolutely right. But I also did not actively catch on to this. I also had completely forgotten that it in the end turns out to be the boyfriend. So I felt so incredibly smart with the... Well, obviously she was with her boyfriend on Friday. So it has to be the boyfriend. You already watched this episode. You should have remembered it was the boyfriend. Oh, well. <laughs> now I don't feel so smart anymore. Well... But never mind, I'm not the only idiot because who could have seen coming that Linda with this information was gonna go away, right? Everyone. Because now we have the answer to when will Linda fuck shit up? Now. Or rather, the time is nigh. In the next scene, which before we get there, we have to talk to Ella. Because if Ella is in a scene, we have to talk about it. And we have to praise her because Ella is obviously right. If you want something done properly, do it yourself. And so she did it herself. And she found proof that the prints of Adriana were placed on the murder weapon. She did not actually hold it herself. So praise be Ella. Yay. As I said, thank you, Ella, for saving everyone's bacon all over again and barely getting thanked for it. Or actually, she didn't get thanked at all. Which, sadly, she's probably used to, but it's nice to have her there and save the day, as you said, as usual. But now, the time is not nigh. The time is here for Linda to fuck shit up. We go into the showdown. Or, as I called it, shocking turn of events. Absolutely shocking slash sarcasm. Linda gives us all the exposition so everyone can catch up and make sure they didn't miss any of the very obvious tidbits earlier. I don't have anything in the scene except complaining because her willingness to shoot Owen is for me an utter disregard of Charlie because if she shoots Owen then she goes to jail and then Charlie will have to grow up without a mother and I cannot see her doing that and this summarizes my main issue with this episode perfectly so I'm gonna put it here and put a pin in it I hate it fuck this next (laughs) yeah Owen is a complete fucking trolley douche bag I don't want to call him douche because that just has a bit more endearment to it now douche denimal Danimal. Double D. And Uh, I genuinely wonder, did he just do that for the money? Yes. That's just such bullshit. It's because terrible. Because he's a shit stain it. of a person. Yes, yes, he is. So with that out of the way, we can go back to the precinct. Perfect. We watch Adriana getting let go and Linda watching that from distance. Again, we are actually watching it from Linda's perspective, which is beautiful. And very awkward. <laughs> My note on this is... Oh, the casting on this is just so good. If Adriana hasn't thought of this being her biological mother, I'd be surprised. And Ooh. I have zero recollection of that actually happening in the in the following scene. So, you know, to me, this was like a revelation. Like, you know, your oh, it was the boyfriend. Yeah. So to me, it's like, oh, Adriana thought of, must think of Linda as her mother because they look so similar. But this scene, as awkward as it fucking is, also is pretty, pretty awesome with the conversation Lucy and Linda have. Because Lucy calls out Linda's bullshit so perfectly that 
she even has to recognize it. And she goes as far as to say, oh, maybe you should get into therapy. Do you have anything else on this scene? No. So the amazing turned a little sour scene is coming up. I loved how worried Mace gets for Eve and it's adorable. It's just they come in and obviously Eve is in her hospital gown, but Mace looks absolutely fucking incredible. Oh yeah, the entire episode. Leslie just, and just, wow. Uh, wow. But then something not that great happens and that is Mace bringing out the ring, her mother's ring, and she tries to give it to Eve, which at first, I mean, it makes sense, but at first it seems like a really nice gesture because it's a ring and she's, you know, uh, significance of rings. It's an easy fix of a, of a problem that does not need to exist. So superficial, it's absolutely sensible. And yes, of course, it's nice that she's giving her a ring. No, but what I really enjoyed is Eve's reaction to this is so calm and collected because she is very straight up hell to the nope. I don't want to be immortal because I saw what it did to my son. Mm-hmm. And that is so awesome. Yeah. See, sometimes the way she behaves very childish-like and very naive, it makes you forget that she is actually, she's ancient and she's experienced and she's seen it all. I mean, try to remember the Madonna horror dichotomy that I talked about at length. This is the duality that we do see repeatedly in Eve because this right now is Mother Eve speaking. She has not only her own significant life experience, but she also has experience through her being a mother, through her children. And so she also has the insight that Mace is not trying to protect her. Mace is trying to protect herself from hurt. And so I am very, very happy that Eve did apparently truly find herself and is very secure in what she wants and what she doesn't want. I really have to say Eve is growing on me. Like she is climbing fast. See, she's not top three material anywhere near, but she is getting up there. She's climbing out of that hole that you put her in after the first watch. Oh, yes, absolutely. And boy, it was a deep hole. Not gonna lie. So, you know. I was not a fan. Is she out of the hole? Oh, yeah, she's... she's, she's, on the the real land? She's definitely far out of the hole. Look at that. (laughs) I think that's like the best Eve can hope for right now. Well, it's surprising, so I'm very, very happy. Of course, I'm not very happy that Maze is not as mature as Eve is, sadly. Because in the beginning, Maze is so ecstatic about having grown a soul. But now she realizes, because she puts it pretty much with the, I have experienced fear before, but this was a whole new level. And now she gets basically the downside of having a soul, of being able to form genuine connection because once you have that connection, the fear of losing that connection is so much worse. Of course, without the supernatural context, this also makes sense because so many of us are very much the, if I don't fall in love, then I also cannot get my heart broken. Basically, if I if I keep my life at a stable, comfy zero, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna be hurt, but also I will miss out all the amazing stuff. So either you have... Is a, it really worth it? That, and that's, the thing is, that is question everybody needs to ask themselves because this is a very um, subjective choice in my opinion and because in my opinion it is a choice if you put yourself out there or not and I'm not just talking about romantic entanglements or anything I'm talking about 
putting yourself out there, forming connections with other people, just like Mace um, was longing for. Because once you connect with other people, you do make yourself vulnerable. But without connecting to other people, you will not have the type of friendships and the type of experiences that you could have. And a certain depth will be missing from your life. And so Mace, in this moment, decides hell to the nope with the pain and nopes right out of the room. And so I do hope that it won't take too long for Mace to learn that with the soul comes good and bad and both is needed. Yeah, I was a little sad about this outcome, but, you know, hopefully it's going to get resolved soon enough. Fingers crossed. Mace is growing, so I'm hopeful. Yeah, this is the growing pains, you know. Yeah, I mean, she is literally growing. What does she call it in the first scene? Like a soul baby. Soul baby. (laughs) Sorry. It's so cute. No, it's so cute. And I mean, apparently, I've heard that when you're growing a baby in yourself, it also hurts. So maybe growing a soul baby also hurts. Um, In the next scene... (laughs) is at Linda's house and Linda is finally spending some quality time with Charlie because in the previous scene in the precinct she realized that you know her personality is different she started behaving like she should have in the first place you know responsible reasonable smart loving good you know all of these things so she finally is back to herself and she's at home with Charlie when we hear the door who could it be who could it be who could it Well, uh, my suspicions of uh, the looks weirdness and a great casting choice have proven correct. And it's Adriana who comes in with her identical smile. They have a conversation and she correctly guesses that Linda is her biological mother. Linda says, well, I thought I should have... I should let you come to me. And Adriana says, well, here I am. And, you know, they're both expanding their families. Which is beautiful. Linda invites her in, which, of course, is significant and all that. It is significant, especially because Adriana is a vampire. (laughs) You're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And when she invites Adriana in, Adriana mentions that there was a hefty donation done to the clinic where her mom is. I assume that was Lucifer, right? Do you think it's Linda or Lucifer? I would say it would be Linda or Lucifer with Linda's knowledge. And of course, once we are inside, we have another classic Richard Spate shot in front of the fireplace. Linda on the one side, Adriana on the other. And Framed it's it like a picture. Yes. And this is a very picturesque. And so this to me was one of the very noticeable, like like with the car, basically. Like those two scenes were where I noticed the, oh, this is something Vero will be talking about. <laughs> because this is now the association that I have with Richard. Yes. Yeah. We've <laughs> talked about this multiple times. It's the obsession that I have. My obsession of the week is Richard Spade Jr. Which you didn't know before. <gasps> well, my obsession of the week is the director. Well, let's put it that way. The fact that it's it's Richard, it just makes sense. And then, of course, in the end of the scene, we have a family reunion because Adriana gets to meet her brother. Mm-hmm. And as they meet, we get a song that starts to play now and then it's going to follow us to the next scene. It's called Here We Go. It's by Norman. And I just want to... I've put to words in this moment how wholesome this feels. 
this moment of not only Adriana showed up in Linda's life when Linda was actually finally ready to take her on and the responsibility of having a kid, but also Linda showed up in Adriana's life when Adriana was feeling alone and desperate and down because her mom is sick and her boyfriend is a scumbag. It doesn't seem from what we've known about her I may be wrong, but it doesn't seem that she has much more other family than her mom. So with Linda and coming entering the scene right now at this very specific moment and having Adrian's brother and, you know, having introducing her to this bigger sort of a family is just this really beautiful, wholesome moment. And I just think that it's written so well if you look at it from that perspective. I'm going to leave it with that because no. Yeah, well, I mean, there are obviously, like, if you look, if you go into details. Leave it. Let's keep it beauty and pretty and perfect like that and have a nice bow around it and cut away all of my after Trimmed, trimmed. And as I said, the song brings us into the next scene and, and follows us through the majority of our last scene. And then for the last 10 seconds, we get a new song. Because I it's know. Lux, so we get all the music. <laughs> So we see Amenadiel sitting in Lux, spotting Lucifer across the club. And Lucifer comes in and they talk about the whole God situation. Yeah, and I thought that, you know, having doubts is a good thing because you can't just take on a responsibility like that without any doubts whatsoever because that means that you're overly confident and you're going to probably fuck it up. But the thing is, he not only has doubts, he is genuinely happy with the life the way it is that he leads. So he would only be doing this out of a sense of duty. And he asks who else would be worthy? And to me, this perfectly frames the episode because the episode starts with him saying something and making something happen with Lucifer. And this is exactly what happens here. Because in the beginning, he says, oh, it's so good that you finally think things through. Then Lucifer decides to not think things through anymore. And here he says, who else would be worthy? And Lucifer says, me! I'm here! This is a great way to prove myself! And so I really enjoyed the framing writing-wise from scene one and scene 19. Of course, that being said, I hate it with a passion because Lucifer is only now trying to become God to prove himself worthy of Chloe. And I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. No, 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 no. It's terrible. Yeah, and we actually get a song with that realization as Lucifer is about to say, I will be God. We get a song called The Future by Dapkiller and Andy Marsh. So, you know, we have the future and even... You know, the lyrics of the song, I didn't actually write down the specifics, but it feels like a dialogue between Lucifer and the song. Ooh, now I'm going to have to check out the lyrics. Yeah, it's very good. It's very well positioned in the scene. I'm not going to lie. So, you know, music on point. Now I need to go back and check it out. Yes, you do. Let's wrap this up. I think I made it clear enough that I am still no fan of the Adriana plotline. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Aside from this, though, I really enjoyed the episode. Surprisingly enough for me, the star of this is Amenadiel. Amenadiel and Dan and the friendship of theirs that we finally see back in action. Amenadiel and Ella 
with the care and the emotion and everything, which also has like effects on Ella. Amenadiel being the conduit for the return to Dekastar. Amenadiel being the driving force of his own fate, basically, by verbalizing that he actually does not want to be the new god, but being willing to do it with a sense of duty and now being the reason that our story progresses in the way it will progress. So I did not expect that, but Ames is the star of this episode. Aside from that, then again, there, of course, is the pretty unexpected return of Eve, which this time around makes me very happy. <laughs> so I went into this episode with dread and I come out of it with hope and joy. That's beautiful. Well, it seems that we are doing more specific character-based episodes now with doing the Dan episode last time. And now we're focusing on Linda in this episode. So it just is an interesting kind of thing. And hopefully we're going to keep it up because that means that we will get an Ella episode. Ella, Ella, Ella. Sorry. Even though Lucifer seems to try to act impulsively, I do appreciate that he is still considering his decisions in a certain capacity, even though it does take him on a very weird and unexpected journey of becoming a god. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> we'll see how it goes, yeah. Glad we had the Ames and Ella conversation, but again, give me more. And now about Linda. As I mentioned, there is a lot of wholesomeness, while her behavior throughout the episode seemed very off-brand for her. So I'm glad she chilled herself out a little bit at the end and that Adriana made the step and decided to meet her as a biological mother because that would have been something that I would be very unhappy if we carried forward within the show. And with this, we say thank you for listening. Please find us on our various social media. We love interacting with you either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon over at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards, such as early release, merch, and hours of bonus content. Yes, Hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really help. Or telling all your friends about us, because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you! Bye! Bye.